Welcome to the Pocono Raceway Podcast, powered by ESPN 840. I'm your co-host, JJ, here with the big guy, Kevin. Wait, wait, the other Kevin. The other Kevin. What's the going big on, guy is bud? not in the studio. We've no. taken over. This is Kevin Teal. Well, and, he needs and JJ. away. I don't know if people know what, what we look like. So. Play. All right, so basically our boss, Kevin Heaney, yep. is not in the studio today, and he's given the reins of the podcast to uh, to me and JJ here. Well, I don't know what he's thinking. That was that a pretty good intro, like bud. You did like you did pretty bit. well. You know, I've been practicing. I know. You were, you were like you were rehearsing the whole way down in the car. It was kind of weird. That's I was I taking a nap, though. It was, it was a nice uh, car ride down to Stroudsburg today. Sunny day. Beautiful day in the Pocono. Is that the first time we're able to say that on this podcast? No, I said it last week. Don't you listen to the podcast? I do, but It was like, sunny last week. Okay, but for real, it's sunny. It's, it's oh, 70 degrees. It's nice. We've had some it's cars beautiful. on track. There's Cabrera Roosters on track today. Um, we had uh, Ready, Set, Drift was uh, Drift was at this the weekend. Yep. track this past weekend. So cars are on track. We're in full season mode at Pocono Raceway, and we're having a blast, man. Yeah, I- I'm, I'm having a great time. And, Kevin, tomorrow... Is our season kickoff big media event at the track? We got a whole bunch of things going on for uh, some of our media members and partners, and uh, we have a special guest joining us tomorrow. We're also going to report a, record a podcast He's a team with him. Penske driver, a, yeah, a in team the Penske IndyCar. driver, IndyCar driver, 2017 IndyCar champion Joseph Newgarden will be at the track, hanging out with some of our partners and our media members tomorrow. Maybe doing some ride-alongs. We'll see. He just won a race in the rain, so it might rain tomorrow. So if he does, there's no excuse for him to not get in a car, right? I heard a rumor we're doing a live podcast, right? I think we're going to do a live podcast with him. That's pretty cool. That's the first yeah. time we're going to have a driver one on like live in studio. So it's like... I'll be honest. I'm concerned. I don't know how much time we have. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it could take a while. He, he, I don't know if you've seen his interviews, but he's, he's, he talks. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so we got we to gotta start right off the bat with yep. today's podcast. Mm-hmm. So first of all, now we might have made a promise that Old Ryan Blaney might be on the pod, or young Ryan Blaney. Young Ryan Why do I say Blaney, old Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney? He's like 12. So so Ryan, like 12, Ryan Blaney uh, had to unfortunately reschedule, but mm-hmm. he will definitely be on the podcast one day. But um, luckily, the the great folks at Team Penske were able to hook us up with another driver, and uh, we're going to have Austin Sindrick on here, which is going to be fun to talk to Austin and learn. I, I think a lot of fans don't realize, you know, he's a young driver. He's only 19 years old, but he's racing a lot of other series he's in NASCAR. He's done a lot everything. of things. everything. I, At nineteen, I, I, I'll tell you what I'm. I'm really interested to talk to him and hear about his story. So we're gonna get Ryan Blaney rescheduled, and uh, I'm kind of bummed though. We were gonna we we're gonna have some fun with him. I had a lot of things to, to talk about with Ryan between we, his commercials and where he got those ideas for those commercials, and uh, something that we did with him what about two weeks ago. We found a, an old Penske jacket, yeah. and uh, Ryan is probably going to get that jacket. I really want to talk to him and get his opinions on it and see what he thought and why he wanted it. But I guess we'll have to say If you don't know what Jay's episode. talking about, go back on our Twitter. We um, we found a uh, old Team Penske jacket, and, and we tweeted it out and said, Ryan Blaney might like this. And he, he, uh, he slid it into our DMs, and, <laughs> and he said, what do I got to do for the jacket? And we said, uh, nothing, man. It's yours, but we're going to have some fun with you. So, oh, uh, now that he's rescheduled, I think we're going to have to make him work for it. Well, yeah, we're going to have to make him yeah. work for it now. That that That's the uh, punishment for having to reschedule. But it's cool. It's all good. Uh, we'll get him on. And uh, But I'm excited for today, man. It's going to be exciting. But before what? we get to Austin, there's one thing I want to talk about. Oh, no. I have listened to the last couple podcasts that you've been on. You've done a great job, bud. Thank you've, you. You've really, you've really held your own. Thanks, JJ. I heard, I heard you made uh, uh, an offer to the fans that if we got up over a thousand listeners, fifteen hundred listens, I think it was right. That's right. You would do something "quote unquote" crazy at crazy. the block party. Left it open ended too. I Left want the fans open-ended. to tell me what I want to do. Well, here's the deal: 
we got over that 1500 mark. We did it? We did it. Oh, my God. We, we did b- it. We broke over it. What do we got? We're going to celebrate. Where's the confetti? Uh, that, Norm, where's on, confetti hold in the studio? On, hold on. Hold on. Let's put the confetti on pause because what we're going to do, we're recording the Cindric podcast right now. We're going to have Joseph Newgarden tomorrow. So between these two, if we get another 500 and we break the 2,000 listens mark, whatever those fans decide, I'm going to join you. Ooh. Good good man right so there. You're jumping to, in. They get to put both of us on blast. Dude, what could we do? I, I Leave it up to the fans, man. I, fans, you got to decide re- what we got to do. Within reason. We want to keep our jobs, right? Yes, I do enjoy my job. We, we do like our jobs. Right. We want to keep our jobs. But we want to do something funny, man. We got to do something. Like, I, I don't even know. Uh, for for I mean, first off, what? anybody can come see this because the block party's open right. to the public on Saturday, June, uh, June 2nd. Yep. So anybody listening to this can suggest something and then come out and see it happen. So they got to get on that. Second, it better be good because if I'm going to get up on stage and embarrass myself, even though it's going to take a lot to do, and I'm going to do it with you, it better be fun. Yeah, it should be worth fun. Worth our while. Um, I don't know, man. What could we do? Just leave it up to the fans. I kind of want to like, you know, like when like if like Nick goes up, you know how, how yeah, Brian yeah, used like, to go up and like talk to the fans yeah, a little like bit. Nick goes up there and says, "What if like he's everybody? up there like talking like thanks for coming out?" And we just like sneak behind him with a pie. What do you think Nick would do if we pied him in the face? I think it depends on what kind of pie. I have to talk to Nick about his pie preferences. Hmm. He might, yeah, he might enjoy it. Yeah, he yeah, might, yeah. he might thoroughly enjoy if he's it. He's a big apple pie fan. He might, have might have to have be a huge fan of what of that happening. <laughs> That'd be funny. Um, yeah, but we got we to gotta do something crazy. That'd be a lot of fun. So speaking, uh, moving on a little bit about um, our last podcast, mm-hmm. too. We um, we had Alex Bowman, obviously, on our last one, and we announced our selfie session yes. for that Saturday of uh, June race weekend. And we put it out there. We put it out on the podcast. And, dude, it sold out in an hour. I mean, it's, like it, it sold out. The reservations well, filled right, up. Right, right, right. It's, it's for free as long as you have a grandstand right. ticket for that day. But it, it was it was like an hour. Like that. It was crazy. So uh, that's going to be exciting, man. I don't know what, if he knows what he's getting into. I know he admitted at the end of the last podcast, if you haven't listened to it, that he might not be the best selfie taker. So we'll see what happens well, Worst with that. case, we'll just stick you there with a selfie stick because based on your social media use after that podcast, you're great at yeah, selfies. Yeah, he gave me a great idea. He told me to work on my car, <laughs> and I couldn't. I had to get a new headlight put in because I kept you know, drilling into the headlight trying to you know, make the make – the, no, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. But uh, you yeah, trying to replace the blinker fluid? I actually did take a selfie because I thought it would be funny to actually – you know, go yeah. go do what I said I was going to do, and I took the selfie, and it came out blurry. And just like I said on the last podcast, I I'm terrible at taking selfies, and instead of retaking, I'm like, you know what, this this is exactly what it should be. It should be a blurry selfie. So yeah, and speaking of selfies and things that millennials do, we just got done with our college tour, third annual college. Dude, that tour. was the best transition we have done on this podcast ever. <laughs> I, you got you 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 nailed if that. They one. only knew. If they only knew, right? But yeah, dude, uh, you mentioned it. Uh, the college tour, man. We we did. Uh, we did, we went to four different schools. Yep. Scranton. We went to uh, Kutztown then uh, with uh, driver Todd Gillen. That yep. was pretty cool. And then we uh, the next week we went to uh, Centenary and ESU. We finished up there with uh, Justin Haley came with us. So man, it was a lot of fun. We, yeah. we so first off, uh, if you guys are listening, we got to thank Todd Gillen and Justin Haley and uh, everyone at KBM, GMS, everybody who helped out make this uh, a possibility to get those drivers up here. Looked like they had a good time. I know all the students and faculty and everyone who was involved on the school side loved it and learned a lot through the college tour. Very successful two weeks, very yeah. long, stressful two weeks for us. And I, I think the coolest part of it, man, was just that we we gave the students an opportunity to see a different side of NASCAR. You yep. know, we, we we showed them that it's not just you know just cars on track and everything like that. It's it's a lot more that goes into it. And there's drivers that are starting in this sport that are 
literally their age. I mean, Todd Gillen, he wasn't even in college, or he couldn't be able to go to college yet. He's still 17. Right. So. And, and, you know, Kev, my favorite part of the whole thing was, you know, race fans are so familiar with seeing the uh, the Kyle Bushes, the Dale Juniors, the Jimmy Johnsons of the world, the racetrack, uh, followed by a group of people with PR reps and security, everyone around them. These guys are so young and new to the sport. They were there just mingling with their peers, hanging out. Yeah. There was no autograph lines. There was no photo lines. They were just there to talk to some folks, create new fans. It, yeah, it talk was, about NASCAR, a, talk about what they do. And yeah. some of the questions the students were asking, they went to a lot of Q&A sessions with the students. Yeah. And uh, the questions were raw, man. They were they were just to the bone, you know, um, just and, simple, simple race car and, and question. The, the best part, that the driver's answers were just as raw. Yeah, they, sure. they They weren't – you could tell they're young and they're not trained in – the the same answer every single time. These guys were open and honest, and I think yeah, I think we created yeah. uh, a if, whole lot of new fans. In the if last anybody two weeks. wants to see kind of what we did um, over the last two weeks with this college tour, just go on our Twitter page and you can follow the hashtag Pocono College Tour. If you click on, search that out, um, and you'll see all of our pictures mm-hmm. and posts. You can see uh, drivers doing the tire changer with uh, different students and stuff like that. They were kind of um, racing their times. I know uh, Justin Haley was pretty happy that he beat Todd Gillen's he fast did. time. So, uh, but I think we might have to get those guys. Yeah, uh, he, he called him out on Twitter there, yeah, and I think and they I think might we're have gonna, to do something with them in July when they come here for the truck race. That'll be that'll be a lot of fun. I think we should definitely get something um, going for that for sure. Yeah. But now, Kevin, you and I and the team back at the office have it uh, our work cut out for us. Yeah, can see? we say who won? It, it, the winner of the college tour is TBD. Uh, we don't know yet. Oh we, man, we're we're uh, we got a lot of calculations to, a lot of numbers to crunch. Uh, hopefully, we we'll have that announced here shortly. I think I could say this. I wish everybody would win because everybody honestly, did a great job. I, I, yeah, it's going to be was, so hard to pick one. This is the best college. The third year we did it. Best best one yet. Really hard. Everybody was the the playing field was pretty even. It was it was amazing. Yeah. So the winner, it's uh, the winner's going to get a skybox of the June race yep. for their club uh, or organization that put on the event. Um, we're going to give them five hundred dollar donation back to their um, university or club or, or really or whatever they charity, want us to, yep. to give it to charity. Um, and then they will also get the college tour trophy. Yeah. So come out on uh, June second. Check out the Pocono Green two fifty. Maybe you see these college kids up on stage receiving their check, receiving the trophy. And you're also going to see our guest today, Austin Sindrick, and I think he's calling in right now, Kev. What do you say we go over and uh, see what he has to say? Let's do it. Let's talk to uh, Austin Sindrick now. All right, JJ. So we have uh, we have Austin Sindrick on the line now. So, uh, hey, Austin, uh, thanks for calling in. How's it going today, man? Yeah, no worries. Pretty good. How you guys been? Yeah, we, we've been doing good up here in the Poconos. Finally, it's a, it's a little bit warmer the, the up here. The sun has it's, finally come out. It's starting to uh, look more like a springtime in the Pocono Mountains, so we're pretty excited to get uh, cars on track here at the racetrack pretty soon. How's that? How's the weather down there been for you? It's been up and down. Uh, I, I think I'm with you. I think there's been plenty of NASCAR races this year where I've needed a winter jacket and not had one. Lucky enough, I've been in the race car and uh, looking forward to some hot weather, some, some, some good racing, and uh, sounds like uh, weather's getting good over at Pocono. Yeah, so before we even get into any of what it's about, I got to know, when it's that cold at the racetrack, is it that cold in the car? Or I know it gets hot in those cars. What's it What's it like for you guys behind the wheel? Well, it varies. I mean, when it's cold on race days, you usually just pray to be in the car the whole time because it's it's a lot warmer in the car than it is outside. Um, but then you have situations like it was as cold as it was at Texas, like below freezing when your visor starts fogging up and you can't see anything and you have to run the whole race with your visor open, then you get a 190 mile an hour wind coming at your face. And, uh, 
then then you start to get real cold. So <laughs> it's uh it's it's a trade off. But uh, look, I'll, I'll be sitting in a race car, so I, I can't really complain too much. No, no, I can't imagine that's too bad. And uh, but I can't imagine going 190 into a corner of Texas and not being able to see. I uh, I, I don't like going 60 on the interstate with a foggy windshield, let alone 190. <laughs> That's crazy, man. So uh, it's been pretty, uh, pretty exciting season, I guess, so far for you. Uh, you're running uh, full time in the Xfinity Series this year for a couple of teams. How's that been going for you, man? Yeah, it's been good. It's it's been one of those. It's probably one of those unique opportunities I've had, and probably one of the best opportunities I've had in, in my career. Um, just just stepping up from the Truck Series last year to be able to race for for two organizations without afford really to put together a full season for me um, between racing with Ross Fenway and racing with Team Penske. Um, just trying to piece those things together uh, at, at the end of the last year and uh, really have having a lot of great experiences with, with a lot of different people on, on, on a lot of different scales. So uh, pretty unique opportunity for me, but um, just have to maximize those those, those opportunities around me and uh, hopefully that, that ends up being some results later on this year. Uh, we're going to wish you uh, the best this season, um, but we kind of want to go back a little bit and talk like we do with uh, everybody who calls into this podcast, how you got into the sport, what kind of trials and tribulations you've gone through to get to where you are. I know you've raced in a bunch of different series, so I kind of let you just start from the bottom and, and work your way through. Yeah, well, I guess it starts with my family. Um, both sides of my family, my mom's side and my dad's side of my family, have been involved in motorsport for, for as long as anyone's been around, really. Um, starting with my mom's side, her her dad raced. My my grandpa raced uh, for a while in sports cars and Can Am and Trans Am, and um, then became to be a team owner. He was also a big investor in Red Roof Inns and had a lot of franchises. So um, he was able to fund his own race team called True Sports um, with, with his Red Red Roof Inns franchises, and um, ended up winning the Indy 500 with Bobby Ray Hall in 1986, um, which was a huge milestone. Ended up owning some race tracks like Mid Ohio along the way, and uh, and and. Her brother, my uncle, started racing as well with Formula Atlantics and Indy Lights, and uh, I think he's been around Pocono a few times, actually. Um, but then on my dad's side, um, his father, my grandpa, built engines for Indy cars and Aussies, um, so his engines ran around Pocono, and uh, my dad works uh, kind of worked his way up through the ranks uh, of racing, if you will, from from just building gearboxes to, to helping out at the dad's engine shop, and um, then finding his way into management, working his way into in the in the Ray Hall's program, and then uh, getting hired by Penske um, a few years after that, right, right, a year right after I was born. Um, so for me, I was I was already at racetracks from the from the minute I popped out into the world, and uh, uh, haven't stopped since. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty lucky to be able to be driving race cars. And uh, it wasn't really until I moved down to North Carolina when Penske merged the IndyCar program with with their NASCAR program in North Carolina in the one shop. And once I got that exposure to that atmosphere, if you've been in North Carolina and Mooresville, that's where all the NASCAR teams are. So you, you never go anywhere without seeing people from NASCAR. It's 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 like the mecca of NASCAR people. And uh, so then I was really exposed to the NASCAR side of things, and they really wanted me to, to get behind the wheel of a car and finally pop the question and uh, begged them enough to, to let me test one. And from, from there, you just get the bug and... Um, it's, it's just continued on. I started racing Bandoleros and Legends cars, which if you don't know what those are, those are, uh, what a lot of NASCAR drivers actually started out racing. And, um, Ken, David Reagan's father, Ken Reagan was really the, the one that introduced us into, into Bandoleros and Legends. Uh, cause that's what David Reagan started in. Other guys like Kyle Burst, the Dillon brothers, um, Bubba Wallace, 
um, Daniel Hemrick. Uh, the, the list goes on to guys that have, have run and grew up racing Legends cars. So I started out in that, and um, a lot of guys from there kind of just go late model racing, and then if you're good at that, you go up to you know, K&N trucks and follow, follow that pathway that a lot of guys follow, and it's a pretty successful pathway. But uh, for me, I, I wanted to make myself a little different than those I was around. Uh, the, the end goal for me was just to drive race cars. I didn't I didn't really have a preference, whether if it was NASCAR or sports car racing or road racing or whatever it may be. Um, and that's kind of where my career's taken me, just that mindset. And from Legends Cars, I actually went straight from that to, to a junior open wheel series called USF 2000. And that's basically a, a feeder series into IndyCar. And for me, that was a huge step. That was uh, that was completely foreign to racing Legends Cars and uh, that whole environment. So it took me a while to adjust to that and really good experiences in some tough situations, kind of getting thrown into the deep end. And uh, from there, I kind of started to drive some sports car stuff and kind of went from there to doing the sports cars full time and got some really good opportunities with some really cool programs, um, being tied in with different manufacturers and developing race cars. And at a young age to be exposed to that stuff was, was really special for me. Um, but then from there, I, I dabbled with some more stock car stuff, got some opportunity with, with Cunningham and a few other sponsors to, to race in some one-off races in ARCA that went way better than expected. Um, <laughs> like my first, my first ever race in a stock car was at ARCA and in Iowa, in, in an ARCA car at Iowa and led the last, uh, 35 out of 40 laps, got beat on a late race restart and ended up finishing fourth and then led the next few laps in the next race at Kentucky. And it was kind of one of those things like I may have a future here um, and kind of built, built up with that along the years and um, kind of got some opportunities to go running trucks um, with, with Brad Kozlowski's team, kind of with a freak opportunity with, with Austin Terrier. We actually had a back injury in one of the wrecks, and they needed a driver for Martinsville. And I had just done those two ARCA races that had gone way above expectations and Jeremy Thompson, the general manager, decided uh, with him and Brad Kozlowski, you know, let's let's put Austin and let's see how he does at Martinsville. Just throw him in the deep end, never being in the truck. And um, by the end of the race, was running in the top five and um, was contending until we got dumped. Uh, it's kind of one of those deals that um, you get the right opportunity. You gotta you gotta make the most of it. And from there, I started stacking on more more stock car racing stuff with my sports car commitments. Um, and I guess one thing I've forgotten about was the, the rally cross that I've done. Um, a bit of a unique form of motorsport, uh, half dirt, half asphalt, got jumps, the rally cars, short races, full of adrenaline. Um, I became pretty successful in that, in their, in their feeder division, the lights category. Um, so I've, I've had some fun and a lot of good car control experiences in that and had some success in that. But um, on the stock car side of things, got the opportunity to run full-time with Brad Kozlowski Racing, in the truck series and uh, just had to make the most of it last year is really my first full season of stock car racing. So trying to understand what to expect uh, was huge because for me, it was a foreign world. Um, uh, it was between how the, how the trucks were so unique compared to the Arca stuff I'd done before just from an aero perspective, but also what's expected out of a driver in that environment. And it, it did take me a little while through the first part of the season to understand that and understand my boundaries and understand where I need to defect the program. And uh, between certain scenarios and being in tough positions and tough spots, I got behind in points and just had, had a bad run at the beginning of the year. And it kind of it kind of didn't really start clicking until halfway through the season, which, to be honest, is a little late <laughs> um, to start clicking off top fives and top tens. But 
by the middle part of the summer, we were we were one of the cars contending every weekend, um, and that, that that came down to you know two races before the playoffs. Still needed two spots to make it into the playoffs, um, two spots and points, and ended up getting the win in Canada at Mosport on one of my favorite road tr- road courses in the country, and uh, that propelled us into the playoffs. And uh, from there, we we pretty much had a flawless run throughout the playoffs, having to claw through every round starting dead last in every round and clawing back up to the, to the cut line till we made the championship four and then uh ended up contending for for the championship at homestead which is which is all you can ask for I ended up third in the championship but to to even see myself making it that far in in my first year in stock car racing was 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 huge for me um i i, I didn't expect it at all coming into the season and i'm not sure those who support me really did either um and then with Brad Kozlowski Racing shutting down, I think that kind of had to accelerate my learning curve for, for opportunities between my connection with Ford and, and their support for me as well, as well as my support through, through the people at Penske. Um, and midway, midway through, the, through the playoffs, started started talking with Ford um, to understand where, where Chase and I were going to go, Chase Briscoe, my teammate, um, where we were going to go uh, after BKR because there, there didn't really seem to be a foreseeable future for, for Ford in the truck series. So that meant only Xfinity was, was the only logical step. So understanding what to do there and, and really got the tie in between Roush and, and, and Ford and kind of started that conversation early. And um, by the end of Homestead, we pretty much had that wrapped up that the three of us between me, Chase and Ty Majeski, uh, we're going to split that car. And then from there, uh, between the races that I was probably going to be slotted in to do um, that cup drivers couldn't do with the Penske car, it, it kind of ended up being only eight races left in the season that I wasn't going to make to complete a full year. So uh, that's that's when you start going to work in the off season, trying to sell races and trying to try trying to make that opportunity. And I think it all goes back to to making the playoffs, how we made the playoffs, and and being able to be there and, and show what I could do at, at the end of the year. Cause in hindsight, if I don't, if I don't win the race in Canada and don't make the playoffs, I, I don't, I don't get put on that stage and put in that high pressure position and um, sure. be able to be able to come through at the, at the right time. So uh, that was a pretty critical moment for me and in, in my career, at least for stock car racing, because before that I was, I was already, you know, looking at sports car opportunities for the next year. And I, I still had, um, some sports car racing still with the truck season because it's only 20, 23 odd races. So I still had some endurance races and some good opportunities that I, I had followed up on. And um, actually, I had already opened up some more opportunities for, for the following year. But um, with my age and where stock car racing is and where the sport is in NASCAR with, with young drivers and, and kind of the coming of age for a lot of these guys, I mean, you see guys like William Byron, hell, he ran top five in a cup race in Richmond and not even his 10th cup start. I mean, it's, it's, it's the level of talent that that's starting to come through the ranks. Um, and that's, that's somewhere I'd like to see myself, but, uh, the, the time is now for me in, in stock car racing, because I feel like there's a small sense of urgency for me with, with my age being 19, that, um, that there isn't a second opportunity. There is only the one shot in, um, because it's, it's pretty rare that, that guys don't get that second opportunity. So uh, I have to jump on it while I can. And, um, I think it's the best case scenario for me to be with the, the three different programs with the 22, the 12, as well as the 60 with Roush. Um, I don't think I, it could have gone any better for me from, from an off season perspective of putting things together. So, um, I guess that's the, that's the abbreviated, but long version. Yeah, it, of, it, of it it, all, but, that was yeah. a great explanation of what it took for you to get where you are. And, uh, 
like you said, it's it's the perfect time for you to be coming on the scene with the youth movement in NASCAR with a couple great organizations. I know Kevin and I were you know on the on the other side of the TV watching you uh, compete last year for the truck title, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Exactly like you said, watching <laughs> you uh, come through each round and, and make it to that uh, that final four at Homestead. Yeah, that was super exciting, and and I think uh, a lot of the fans will appreciate you know that they might not know all the, of the different series yeah. and different uh, sports car um, clubs that that uh, you've ran in the past, and um, you mentioned like rallycross and stuff like that, and you mentioned the car control. So how how much does like stuff like that really translate into stock car? You you mentioned like the car control. What what else translates that into uh, into that kind of racing? Yeah, I, mean, I could I could nitpick about the the different driving techniques and and understanding where a car is and how to set up a car and all that. But really, what it boils down to is my ability to adapt, mm-hmm. and that's something that that I've been able to be fortunate enough to be in so many different scenarios where I've just had to adapt on the fly and drive a car I've never been in with a different, completely different driving style, completely different geometry, and. Uh, completely different drivetrain than than I've been used to, and those are situations that I've been just constantly trying to put myself in the most difficult position for my age. And it's it's a drown or swim scenario. If if I if I drown, then maybe the racing thing isn't for me. If if, if I swim, then keep going. Um, just keep going till you, till you can't go anymore. Um, and that's that's what it's been about for me. I don't think I've been able to. I, I don't think I'd be able to be as as briefly successful as I've been so far in, in, in the NASCAR stuff if I haven't had those opportunities in other in other forms of racing because uh, in the reality, I'm, I'm racing for a championship this year in NASCAR's second highest level with barely enough experience to kind of constitute what guys are doing at a late model level. So, so you have, the, uh, you have the, the budding NASCAR career that is going extremely well. We have all this background on in all these different cars, on all these different types of tracks, dirt, asphalt, road courses, super speedways, ovals. What's what's your your favorite type and what's your dream combination of those if you could? Would you would you take a, a global rally cross car out on a super speedway? Would you would you want to take a, a sport, sports car onto a short track? What's what's your your favorite and your your dream combination? I mean, my, my ideal scenario is that I get to do every single one of those disciplines <laughs> every weekend of the year. If I could do that, I'd be the happiest guy on planet Earth. I, I can tell you that much. So it's safe um, to say that you like to race. <laughs> it's safe to say that I like to race. I, like- I like to, I love, I love the, the feeling and passion of driving, but the racing as well. And that's something that's, that's been really cool for me to experience in stock car racing because in all the other forms, you're kind of racing one or two guys the whole race. You're not really around each other much. You sometimes get to overtake, but you're you're really by yourself, and it's all about you. In a NASCAR, it's about everyone else around you because you can't get away from those suckers the entire race. You are stuck with them the whole time, and you got to figure out what to do in close quarter scenarios. And um, I feel like it's been a huge help for me in some of the other scenarios where in some of the other series that that I've raced in coming back from stock cars is that I feel so much more comfortable around other cars where those guys don't feel comfortable being that close with one another. So I feel like that's been a huge advantage for me on on the other side. But when it comes to my favorite, it's like comparing apples to oranges. What makes jumping a rallycross car fun and sliding it through the dirt is so much different than what makes driving a stock car fun on a mile and a half or, or driving around uh, one of the coolest road courses in the country in a sports car. Uh, the, the, they're all different brands of fun, if you will. 
Sure, yeah. Let's talk about Pocono Raceway. Now, do you find Pocono Raceway fun or do you find it <laughs> challenging? Because we hear both sides from, from drivers sometimes. Some drivers like Pocono and some drivers hate it. And you've, you've been here uh, twice, once in the ARCA car and once in the truck. What, what are your thoughts, man? What, what are the challenges of Pocono? It's it's one of the tracks that I always look forward to, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast. Um, <laughs> Appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's a super speedway you have to use brakes for. I love the opportunity to use my brake pedal because that's something I'm used to doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a different dynamic of the car, and you can you can change how the car reacts to to when you use the pedal. And um, on the other side of that is there's three completely unique corners throughout the track, and obviously that's pretty well documented. It's a tricky triangle, but it's it's really imperative that the driver crew chief relationship is working well to be able to understand what compromises because you're never going to be perfect in every every corner on the racetrack. You might be you might have a really great one and two, but three and four because it's so flat is going to be terrible. So it's understanding what what your priorities are and that relationship between driver and crew chiefs. I think even more important at a track like that. So I feel like a driver and the team can make up for for certain other areas with, with their communication, their ability to work together and the driver's feedback as well as the driver's performance and what they're doing in the car. I feel like out of all the super speedways we go to in big tracks, I, th- I think that one's the most most driver and team friendly, um, which I always look forward to going to, to tracks like that. So off the racetrack now in the Poconos, you've been here twice, you spent some time up here. Uh, what What's your favorite thing to do when you're not in the car after the race you, you are you staying at the track you're going anywhere in the Poconos what's what's the most enjoyable part of the trip outside of racing so honestly the unfortunate the only unfortunate thing about racing is that a lot of the time we go to all these cool places and we never get to see them mm. it's, it's really only in testing that we get to go see these places um, and obviously the Poconos is, is a pretty good tourist destination and pretty popular, especially on, on NASCAR weekend. But we stay, we, we tested the ARCA car there once and we stayed at the Great Wolf Lodge. And, uh, that was probably some of the most, and we stayed there in the trucks actually last year. Uh, me and, me and the shop floor manager, <laughs> a real big guy, his name's Shane. Uh, we took down the water slides together. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a good time. But, uh. Other than that, I haven't got out to explore the Poconos much, to be honest, and, and I want to. I, I love areas like that. I'm an, I feel like I'm an outdoorsy kind of guy. I don't really like big cities. I kind of like areas like that that are kind of kind of off the beaten path, and you're able to really enjoy what's around you. So um, I definitely look forward to racing there in a few more years and trying to understand what the what the best spot. Maybe you can tell me yeah. well, where should I go. Yeah, I was just going to mention, man. That when you're when you're up here, just come find us in the media center or wherever. And uh, if uh, you said you're an outdoorsy guy, and the Pocono Mountains has so many outdoorsy mm-hmm. things, so uh, we'll we'll be able to point you in the right direction if you got some free time on race weekend. Um, so we don't want to take up uh, much more of your time here, but I did want to mention um, you're going for. Uh, the dash for cash at uh, Talladega this weekend. How's how's that going to play out on the 2.5 Super Speedway there? It's going to play out about as you can expect, which is <laughs> about, you can't expect anything. I mean, it's Super Speedway racing. Uh, I could be the luckiest 19 year old in the world and win 100 grand, and the other three guys all wreck out. But it would just be as easy for me to wreck out of the race. So for for me, I got to keep my priorities in check. And for me, that's just getting to the end and learning. Um, I haven't done a whole lot of super speedway racing, which it's obviously a completely different discipline of driving. Sure. Um, so for me, uh, I really just want to learn and feel comfortable with it because our, our Daytona was pretty short. Um, so I'd, I'd like to just be able to get another good speedway under my belt and just 
check that box. And if we're able to be in contention for the cash, then uh, you can you can believe me that I'm going for it. But uh, at the same time, I, I still got a season to look after, and I still got some race cars to look after. So um, going going for two things, but uh, just want to get to the end of the race. Something tells me if we're at the end, our cars are going to be fast enough to be able to be able to get the job done. For sure, man. So, yeah, that's a cool thing Xfinity does for the sport. Uh, going for $100,000 at Talladega, it's going to be exciting. So thanks again, man, for calling in uh, to do this podcast with us. We had, a, we had a great time. We learned a lot. Yep. And uh, we wish you the best luck uh, this weekend at Talladega, the rest of the season, and we will see you in June at Pocono. Yeah, no worries. Really looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Thanks man. awesome. Well, JJ, that was wonderful, man. That was amazing. What wonder? Wait a minute. Wonderful. That was a wonderful. Well, who dude, do you think you fun. are, Kevin Haney? I don't know, man. Wonderful. You, you that was a wonderful think of your thing. Tagline. That was a wonderful uh, explanation of his career on the wonderful Pocono Raceway podcast. Sorry, <laughs> I told Jay that I was going to do that. Um, our, if, if you are a good listener of the Pocono Raceway podcast, and you notice that our main host Kevin Haney, he says wonderful a lot. He does. He does. It's almost as much as you say you know, neat in the office, Kevin. Almost he, as much. Let's. I don't know if he's going to listen to this. Or not. I guess he probably will. But we should like make that the secret word of the day one day. How many times he says "wonderful" and gives something away that because we didn't do word of the day. So um, I think maybe next time when we when we do the podcast, we'll, we'll do secret. Okay, wonderful. Right. How like, many times? I think that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. But, but in all seriousness, that was an awesome podcast with Austin. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of lot of info on how he came in uh, up through the ranks in such a short amount of time, being only nineteen, racing all these different series. Coming up, running for a truck championship, getting the chance in Xfinity car, running for a hundred thousand dollars in Dash for Cash this weekend. It's gonna be gonna be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, and and it's crazy. Like he he only had the one year in the truck series full time, mm-hmm. and he was running for a championship that first year. So, um, if you don't know about Austin Syndicate, you better start looking him up and, yeah. and actually following his career because he's gonna he's gonna be a big name in the sport Absolutely. here in the future. I mean, first year in, in trucks, running for a championship, he's having a pretty good year um and xfinity this year i'm excited to see where yeah. his career As goes said, for that, sure the youth movement in nascar is it's well documented that it's it's now and uh it, it's pretty great that he's jumping on that train and going to be a part of things yeah so it was really cool to talk to him learn a lot um I, man i'd want to try to I, I can't imagine like all those different series that he's run and, and to no trying to remember what you're doing every single one right like I, he, that, I, that, he just likes to race though man like hey, i said he, he just anything that has wheels he's one of those kind of guys and that's pretty cool so uh yeah that was, that was a lot of fun jj what what are you doing the rest of the day man well it's uh oh man you it's, go it's almost the end of the day yeah it's a nice we, day we uh, see we hit the links we've met we've we've mentioned golf on this podcast a lot and i don't think any of us have been out golfing yet if i don't get out golfing we, soon we were on the college tour last week i'll mention this we were on the college tour last week and we were walking from one event to the next and i tor- turned to kevin heaney and i say hey man next friday i think me and jj are gonna take off and we're gonna go golf and he goes what <laughs> what, what are you talking about I, I was like yeah man you know we got the the new garden things on wednesday everything will be you know everything will be scheduled we're, we're, away. we're pretty good right he's like no no, you you gotta you gotta do this. I was like, nah, man. You know, we'll go we'll, we'll go out for well, for the back nine. Maybe here's the deal. I know. I, I think we just made our, bo- our our boss's life easier because I don't think he's gonna have to come out here anymore because I think he's fired from the podcast. Kev, you and I, you and I are in charge. You're gonna make that call, Heaney. You're out. Uh, I don't want to make that call, <laughs> fans. I don't think I don't think we should make that call. I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of afraid what would happen if we if we tell him he's fired. From the podcast. You know, all right, maybe we, maybe we won't fire him. We'll just kind of weed him off. Yeah, I don't I don't want to fire him. All right, but here's the deal. Like we said in the beginning, 
We passed the 1500 view mark. Let's get to the 2000, not views, listens. Let's get to the 2000 listen people mark. People don't want to, we have a good, we have a, yeah, maybe a good voice, but uh, people don't want to, people don't want to watch what's going on. Let's, uh, let's get to the 2000 listen mark. And then fans, we're going to let you tell Kevin and I what you want to see us do on that block party stage on June 2nd. Maybe Austin Cindric will win the race and he'll come out and hang out with us out there. You never know. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, we should get like a dunk tank. I, we could probably get our hands on one. Race fans, if anybody knows anywhere we can get a dunk tank for free, maybe maybe we can do that. And just you, every, race fans can dunk us for like an hour. Fan info at uh, PokemonRaceway.com. That'd it, probably that'd it, feel and, great after if it's a nice sunny day. It'd feel great to cool off in the dunk tank. It would. It would. I, I like this idea just to cool off. It, I, I, yeah, you're right. So, race fans, you have any ideas uh, on what Kevin and I should do or any ideas for the podcast? Any questions you want to ask drivers? Any driver suggestions? Go to fan info at PokemonRaceway.com. That'll come to Kevin and I. We'll get and uh, get the pieces put together. Uh, other than that, go to PokemonRaceway.com. Check out all the awesome ticket options we have for uh, the June weekend coming up. It's in coming just up a few so weeks. soon, man. Yeah. We have so many cool things going on on race weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we hope all the fans come out and, and join us. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Can't wait to see you guys are, uh, in a few weeks. Are you trying to end this podcast right I now? I'm enjoying, talk- podcast. I, I'm enjoying talking I know, to you, man. We've been here for a long time. It's the end of the day. Me and JJ sit next to uh, each other in the office all, all day long, so he's probably sick of talking to me. He's just trying to kick me off. So all right. Can, we're going to wrap home. it up. Race fans, PokemonRaceway.com. PokemonRaceway.com slash podcast to listen to this. Subscribe, like, Check out ESPN follow, 840. share, ESPN840. It's on all their platforms, on all our platforms. We're going to go record the New Garden one tomorrow, Kev. We're going to have a good time with that one, just like we did Austin today. See you guys next week. Cue the music. <laughs>